This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 302. Some sort of a feedback loop that allows for you to just kind of gut check where you're at. Also, the upshot of that is when you're doing well, it's, again, being on the gerbil wheel, we often don't benchmark our success. And we don't get to look back and say, gosh, you know, sure, the economy is going south and inflation is high and we're approaching a recession and COVID's still around and this, that, and the other. Very easy to just like be like overwhelmed by all of that. Unless you look back to some goals that you had in January with respect to systems and you go, oh, but all my systems are in place. I'm now spending less time doing this. I have more client interaction. The quality of my uh, engagements is higher. I'm speaking to more people on a weekly basis. Then you go, huh. Okay, right? So it's kind of like being a pilot and sitting in the uh, cockpit and, and looking at your dials and gauging where you are versus the land. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. I am delighted to have you here. And I got to tell you, you are going to be delighted that you are here because today's show is phenomenal. We are going to talk about four key elements that you as a business owner want to think about to really soar, to thrive as a business owner and get past the struggle and the wonder of what is it that I need to do to really excel. And my guest today is perfect to share that information with us because he has done this and more in so many businesses, I can barely count them, and so much success that is just phenomenal. So I'm going to tell you more about Hillman Sori in just a moment. I do want to take a moment, if this is your first time to the Star Coach Show, to welcome you and let you know what we do here. We talk about strategies, tools, and resources to help coaches absolutely knock it out of the park. I'm Meg Rentschler. I am an executive coach and a coach mentor and instructor. And really, all of those things that I do fit under the umbrella of helping people use coaching skills, whether that is a leader using coaching as a leadership style to communicate more effectively, to bring people forward and create healthier work environments, or it's coaches who want to bring their magic into the world, to impact the world and make changes. That's what this show is all about. That's what the business is that I do. And I encourage you to visit starcoachshow.com to access the different resources that I have available for you. So now let's pivot into what this show is all about today. Hillman Sori is my guest. We had the best time together. He was vacationing in Milan at the time that I talked to him, and I didn't even hold that against him, even though I was very jealous. He and I zeroed in on four S's that business owners need to think about to really create a thriving business. Hillman is the co-founder of Coach CRM, which is a sales coaching software for managers. He is the co-founder of Close Loop, a sales strategy training and enablement firm with offices around the world. He is a partner in a seed stage venture capital firm. He's the author of 
eight top selling books on sales, sales management, and coaching. So if you're thinking at this moment, how did this man have any time to interview with you? I don't know, but I was so pleased that he made time to do it. He has helped build teams in companies that range from early stage startups to companies like Salesforce, Box, SurveyMonkey, a company near and dear to my heart because I use ServiceMonkey in my business. So thank you, Hillman, for that. And he's an award-winning trainer who has trained over 15,000 salespeople and over 5,000 executives. He is a sought-after speaker around the globe, and all you have to do is listen to a few minutes of this interview to know why. We've really delved into these aspects of what makes a successful business because I want each one of you who is a business owner to be successful in doing that. So not going to make you wait any longer. Let's go to my interview with Hillman Sori. Hillman Sori, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited. And you're joining us from Milan. So how exciting is that? We can all sort of live vicariously with you. Yes. And we're going <laughs> to... For half an hour at least. Yeah. For <laughs> half an hour, we can just kind of pretend. Molto <laughs> bene. Yeah. So today we're going to dive into four elements that make small business owners successful or things for us to think about. But before we dive into that very important topic and got everybody's ears pricked right now, can you tell us a little bit about what lights you up about the work that you do? What lights me up about the work that I do? I I think everything, the, the, the beauty of being a small business owner or starting your own firm is that you really can kind of orchestrate what it is that you want to be doing every day, right? <laughs> so a lot of us come to this having participated either in corporate or in some other type of role and transitioned and realized that there was either a lack of fulfillment or a lack of impact or any of those things that kind of Maslow's Law of Hierarchy uh, that make us tick, for lack of a better term. I was that kid. Have you ever played Batgammon, Meg? Oh, I have. Yes, I have. Okay, so you're probably familiar with the fact that it's like one of the few game boards that actually comes in its own thing that looks like a briefcase, right? Right. So I had one, as or the family had one as a child, and I took all the pieces out of the backgammon. It was not about the backgammon for me. When I went to my father's office and I grabbed his legal pads and some pens and I put them in this little thing because as about a, a seven or eight year old, it looks like a briefcase. And that was the thing. And all I knew was that my father went off to meetings every day and he flew around the country doing meetings, you know, air quotes around meetings, right? And so all I wanted to do was have meetings. Well, if you look at my calendar from today, <laughs> let's just say I've achieved that goal. <laughs> the dream has been realized. But in all seriousness, I tell you what, what as exhausting or as much as you put into this, as much as we do with our businesses and as much risk as we put on the table to try to fulfill the quote-unquote dream, the thing that really just gets me up every day is being able to impact others and being able to actually help through my own talents such as they exist, experience such as it exists, and, and expertise, to be able to really take that and provide that to someone else who has expertise somewhere else and be able to collaboratively help to make organizations and companies and individuals grow. That's, that's what does it every day. And the beauty is, having done this now for 20 some odd years, 
I love what I love about LinkedIn is not necessarily all the chatter and distraction, but what I do love is it keeps you in touch with people you've worked with. And I would say not a week goes by that I don't get one or two notes that are just very specific saying, Hey, remember that thing we talked about seven years ago? That had such a tremendous impact. I just want to say thanks. Or I finally cracked the code on this thing that we were working on. It's just you get that kind of continuity of the impact that you're having. And it always comes right when you know, you're, you're most exhausted or least engaged. We all wake up this way at some point. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's, that's what does it for me. Well, and isn't that beautiful? Just sort of the, the way the universe sort of brings things into us just as we're needing them. And, um, and, and realizing the impact, the impact that you are having. And certainly that's something that's going to resonate with my audience. We are in the business of making impact and changing people's lives Uh and really affecting that positive change, hopefully across the globe. And I really think that that is happening and we are going to help our audience be that much more successful today by talking about Well, I just have to tell all of you as you're listening, Hillman has so much experience and so many things that he could offer that we were like in a quandary of what what specific piece (laughs) do we bring forward for the next 30 minutes? And we settled in on this element of strategy, systems, staff, skills. And we're going to talk about why those four S's are important. And what it is that uh, we're going to challenge each of you to really zero in on, on each one of those. So when we were talking about who my audience is and the audience yeah. of, of coaches who are bringing their impact to the world, if you can, because I know this was several weeks ago that we talked about this, but what do you think it was that really made you think this would be the key thing out of all the things that I could offer? This is going to impact this audience. Well, you know why? It's because. I get it. I started my business years ago. Now we're, you know, across the globe and, you know, not just me, but there, there are others, others like me across the globe. We've scaled the organization. We've worked with hundreds of companies now and thousands of individuals. And I remember back when I was starting this business with my business partner, Corey. And one of the biggest challenges was that we did not have a clear roadmap. We had a certain amount of experience. We had a certain amount of expertise. A lot of folks come into coaching from having a first couple clients. Those could be individuals who just really trust you and who you've been able to impact. This could be um, former employers. This could be former companies. But you know, it's kind of like inside of that tight little network of people who kind of say to you, Meg, you should start a bakery because I love your cookies at Christmas. And it's kind of like, that's great. And if that person or that group of people could buy cookies from you all year round to the tune of a couple hundred thousand dollars or a few million dollars, you'd have a great business. But unfortunately, that's not the case, right? We get to the point where we've got to expand beyond our network and beyond the people who know us. And what I found personally, again, having started our company and started other business prior to that, is that that kind of go-to-market, that attempt at scale that takes you from having something that's kind of like a job or just solopreneurship, and I don't mean to belittle that, but for those who really want to grow, the challenge is understanding what is the structure and how do you go about evaluating your own organization, your own mission, your own customers and prospects in a way that you can strategically deploy your resources. And those resources could be your network. Those resources could be technology. They could actually be financial resources. 
or other people you know, inside of your organization. So how do you do this in a way that you can measure the success and actually directly correlate that to an impact? So that's where we work with individuals and companies around this 4S system, which is strategy system, staff, and skills that help you to kind of, we kind of coach the coach, right? We coach the, we coach the entrepreneur in saying, let's evaluate your business under each of these buckets. Because if you can't bucket these things, then it just becomes spaghetti. It's, I'm, I don't know how many Italian references I'm going to make on this conversation. but I hope that, just that, a lot. <laughs> it's near about 4 p.m. here, so I'm getting close to that time to eat again, right? But, um, <laughs> no, but really, it, it becomes spaghetti, meaning it's just like kind of a tangled mess of stuff, right? That each strand is fantastic, but like you can't really wrap your hands around it. You can't do much with it. You can't make it actionable or practical. So how do you kind of disassemble that into things that someone who is actually running a business and not just kind of pontificating about it all day long can actually do strategically and, 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 and actually um, realize some kind of an outcome from this exercise? And that's, that's where we arrived at this. That is so good. So we've got these four S's and I'm going to kind of let you decide where do we begin in our journey together today? Yeah, we begin at the beginning. Let's start there. How about that? And, that sounds and that, like a great plan. That's, that's called strategy. And when we talk about strategy, strategy is your view of what you're doing vis-a-vis the marketplace, right? So one of the things that we look at when we look at strategy is clearly understanding with a, uh, a non-jaundiced lens, who else is out there doing stuff? And how much of that is direct competition? How much of that is indirect competition? And direct competition would mean, hey, I am an executive coach who works specifically with younger women to overcome things like imposter syndrome and help them develop leadership inside of their organization. Let's just make that up. Let's say that's the company we're working with, right? Sounds good. Okay. So direct competition would be other companies that purport or other coaches that purport to do the same type of thing directly, right? Indirect competition could be myriad online courses, could be myriad other types of executive training, could be university grad schools, could be all sorts of things. There are different resources that someone who is challenged by any of those things that young female executives might be challenged with in the marketplace would be approached by or could kind of cloud the create noise in the marketplace with respect to what it is that they should be doing to solve the problem, right? Understanding that is critical. Then taking that and saying, okay, here's the marketplace, here's direct competition, here's indirect competition. Where do we lose? Where do we not even wanna play? I don't even wanna have a conversation with someone who is looking for accredited certification, three letters after their name, after they're done with me, because I don't have that, that's not my business. Right. I'm, I'm not in the business of doing that. I'm in the business in one on one. I don't take people in cohorts and large groups and move them through a university 601 to 801 type. It does not happen that way. We'll let them go off to Harvard and Yale and, and the people who do this for a lot of money in a different way. Right. Then there's the battlefield. The battlefield is where do we have kind of service or product parity? Right. Where is it that we could say we do this? They do this, too. So let's not spend a ton of time talking to potential clients in that space about this thing because it's kind of table stakes for being there. Maybe it's things like, well, we have remote conversations. Oh, we also do some cohorted classes. Oh, I've also got a course that you can follow. Oh, oh yeah, everybody does, 
That's like, how much time do you want to spend on that? That's kind of a race to the bottom if you're talking about the things that everybody does because it kind of commoditizes your practice. So then the last piece over there is this concept of your winning zone. Well, where is it that you absolutely win? You know what? I win because I've been there before. I win because I understand these four specific markets very acutely and I can actually talk about your products and services and your industry better than the people who are doing this general stuff. I win because I've studied, I don't know, cognitive behavioral therapy and I understand how to create change and change management and what that works with. I win because I have referenceable people in your industry. Well, then let's talk about these types of things. That's the strategy. And then being able to narrow focus this in a way where you've segmented your marketplace, you've taken this clear understanding of where you win, you now can turn these things into messages that you can disseminate with authority, with confidence, and through the channels and means by which you can go about attracting people. Now, this could be your local chamber of commerce. This could be something more more robust like Facebook or LinkedIn ads. This could be something as simple as emails. This could be your speaking engagements. Right. This could even be a book that you write where you say, hey, I'm going to take this slice and talk about my life experience and the people who I've impacted because that's going to create a wedge for me versus the competition. But this first key of understanding your strategy and how you're going to market and why you exist and what difference you can make in someone's life is critical to being able to really control your destiny rather than feeling like, well, gosh, anybody could be impacted by the work that I do. That's one of the biggest challenges for coaches, yeah. right? Look around and we see, it must be the same thing for therapists too. They look around and they see so many broken people. That's like, gosh, if I just had you in that chair for an hour a week for six months, wow, the life changing I could do. Well, sure, but you don't want to spend your time chasing after people who are kind of running in a different direction. You want to go for the people who kind of raised a hand and at least self-identified and said, I understand that this is my challenge and you are now speaking, uh, you're, you're, you're singing with the choir, that kind of a thing. Love it. And that, that, that concept that if you're a generalist, you're not necessarily zoning in on exactly what that person's raising their hand about. So That's once right. again, you know, I challenge you know, you got to get clear about who that audience is so you can see those hands being raised. That's exactly right. Exactly right. right. Excellent. Yeah. Beautiful discussion around strategy. So systems next? Yes. Systems All is right. next. So once you've identified strategy, it's kind of, it could just be a hodgepodge of all these S's, right? <laughs> but they, they do kind of fall, fall together linearly as well. So once you've identified strategy, then you've got to take a look at your systems. And the systems could be your corporate systems. This is how you've decided to, and I'm trying to be very specific to your audience, how you go about delivery. You know, there are some means of coaching that could be done in small cohorts. There are some types of coaching that absolutely positively have to be one-on-one. There's a cadence for that. There's some coaching that could be augmented by things like an online course or a book, or even some types of exercises that someone's doing that they bring back to you. There are some that just are, you know, full hands-on. It's got to be live. This is what we do. Maybe it's bootcamp oriented. Maybe there's a periodic frequency that is weekly. Who knows what? You know your business, but you got to be prescriptive about it. And once you've understood what that delivery looks like, and you might have different types of folks that you work with in different ways or different offers, for lack of a better term, right? I understand how all that works, you know. Once you've got that clear, the only way to really create scale and to ensure consistency of impact and quality 
is to put systems around this, right? Whether they are systems that automate things like email outreach to existing customers or systems that automate things like calendaring and scheduling or feedback loops of, of review of data. I, you know, I, I don't know the types of specific coaches we're talking right. about, but yeah. any of the, and, any, and any of those, like the forms that you're going to have your clients fill yes. out, how can you automate that? How can you have systems around the, even them providing feedback following a session? You know, those yes. kinds of things. What do you do once they've left you? Because, you know, one of the biggest, one of the, the lowest hanging fruit from a sales perspective is referrals. I worked with Meg. Meg had such success with me. And well, now Meg's gone and she sits on my website. Well, I, I want to stay in touch with Meg, you know, on a monthly basis, at least to let her know I'm still here for her. I'm also still looking for people like her to work with. And is there another way that I can offer value? You know, so you get that kind of long tail of the relationship. All of this stuff requires systems. Nobody can manage this you know, beyond maybe a four, four person client base, you can't manage this ongoing without systems in place. The key though, is to not over index on technology. It's very seductive. I mean, just before our conversation, I was talking to somebody who's trying to sell me something for my company and it sounds great. And then I get off the call and I'm like, nobody's going to use this thing. It sounds fantastic, but I know nobody, I'm not going to get anybody to be able to change their workflow to use this thing. So I always say, do it in analog first. If you have to keep a spreadsheet of your clients before you go get a CRM or before you go get automated on stuff, keep the spreadsheet until it breaks so that you clearly understand the workflow and what your needs are going to be. And you don't end up buying so much technology that's going to hit you. You know, it seems really cheap, $69 a month until you've got 10 $69 products per month exactly. of which you're using 2% of their utility. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you mean, because that is exactly one of the nasty little paths that I walked down, you know, 15 years ago when I transferred from being a therapist to a coach. It was Is like, right? oh, I need this and oh, I need this. And then I realized I had all these different systems that did, I was using a piece of all of them and some of them could have done everything. I mean, it was just a mess. It was a mess. Maddening, absolutely maddening. So, so you understand this challenge oh, of systems. Uh, you are talking my pain right now. <laughs> I love it. So, so there's that piece, which is critical. And then finally, ensuring that you have some, if it's, if, if it's a solo practice, this is a whole lot easier. Although eh, I'm going to take that back. It's not easier because we don't discipline our time for it. And here's the, the overarching thesis here is you need a feedback loop to understand if it's working. And a lot of us get on the gerbil wheel and we just go, 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 go. And yeah, some things fall off and we're like, oh, that thing fell. But like, we're still going. There's something new, new, new. And then we don't take the time because we don't have the time. We've got to make the time. And, you know, the E-Myth talks about this great book written oh, probably 40 years ago, but it's still a fantastic book that, that talks about how you can either be working in the business or on the business. And, you know, we, we, I'm sure you've talked about this on the show before, but the idea being you have to at some point be able to move from the weeds to the bird's eye view and taking a look at what you're doing and calendaring that time with yourself is critical. If you can find some informal advisors, I highly recommend that folks who you could just soundboard things, you know, off of uh, what am I saying? Riff with on right. your business and what you're thinking and what you're doing. And they can just ask you stupid questions like, well, why are you doing that, Meg? Even if they don't know, they don't have an answer. Just posing right. the question to you can get you to think deeply about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So having some sort of a feedback loop that allows for you to just kind of gut check where you're at. Also, the upshot of that is when you're doing well, it's again, being on the gerbil wheel, we often don't benchmark our success. And we don't get to look back and say, gosh, you know, sure, the economy is going south and inflation is high and we're approaching a recession and 
COVID's still around and this, that, and the other. Very easy to just like be like overwhelmed by all of that. Unless you look back to some goals that you had in January with respect to systems and you go, oh, but all my systems are in place. I'm now spending less time doing this. I have more client interaction. The quality of my uh, engagements is higher. I'm speaking to more people on a weekly basis. Then you go, huh, okay, right? So it's kind of like being a pilot and sitting in the uh, cockpit and, and looking at your dials and gauging where you are versus uh, versus the land. <laughs> no, I love that. And and I think that there's this, this concept also of we can either sort of feed into all the the negative or the the challenges yeah. around us, or we can make some determinations about how am I showing up in this? And, and I don't have to lean into and almost create more of the challenge. I can actually make determination. How am I showing up? And I'm feeling pretty good about how I'm showing up in this. Exactly right. And it requires some separation to be able to right. do that. You know, I was reading something recently can't remember what it was that I was reading or what they called this. So this is just going to be Hillman's paraphrase of the term. But they were saying that often when you get one track in your mindset, and whether that's a one track of worry or stress or anxiety about something, or you've just got that inner critic happening, whatever it might be, they say, if you can get to the point of recognition, do something dramatically that changes. And, and that could be something as simple as turning your head really quickly, focusing on something across the room that you otherwise were not looking at, and just taking in that moment. I'm looking at a, a very beautiful, actually, in this Airbnb, a very beautiful lamp that I have not noticed yet. That's actually got these little grape imprints on it. And focus on that. And suddenly what it does is it brings you to present. It helps you realize like, well, in the here and now, this whole cloud of worry that you've got going on is not happening. Therefore, you know what? You're okay. And let's, let's take a moment to regroup and revisit what you had suddenly immersed yourself in that isn't even clear and present right now. You know, it's not like the Holy Mammoth is chasing you out of the cave at the moment. Right. You know, you're just thinking about that potential experience, right? Yeah. Right. So I love that. So that mindfulness really kind of bring back to present. And then uh, shift perspective and look at the problem from another direction. Love that's that. Exactly. You said that Love so much that. better than me. You were a, ther- <laughs> you were a therapist, weren't you? I was you? a therapist. Yes, I was for many, many years. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, no, I love that example. So anything else about systems that we need to explore? No, I think that's the gist. You know, overarching and the systems will differ for each organization. And, you, and just understanding that what systems mean is... The definition in my mind is just the repeatable process. It need not be, you know, very intricate. It need not be a computer. It's just if you're a person who works with a legal pad and a phone, more power to you. You've still got a system by which you're engaging with folks and transacting and impacting individuals. Just understanding what that is and having some uh, level set evaluation around it is what's critical. Well, and the other thing that you said that I think is so key is we really need to kind of understand the systems that we need. So when you said, you know, do it analog at first, like really understand what your business needs. I think that that is key. Otherwise, you're that much more susceptible to what other people are telling you that your business needs. And there's lots of people who are willing to tell you what your business needs. The world is a lot of opinions, isn't it? Yes, it is. And (laughs) often with a price tag on it. So with that, if if you better understand, then you're better able to make good decisions about what really is the gap that's there and what's the best solution for the gap. 
So I you know you said something that. that's really key. You said something really key there, Meg, that I, I want to double click on, for lack of a better term. It's it, with all of these strategy systems, staff, and skills. It's the evaluation of the gap that we're looking at, right? And and the prioritization of that gap, meaning where we are today versus where we either need to be or would like to be. And then the prioritization of each of these buckets is what's key. But it is, it is truly a gap analysis. You're right. All right. So now we've talked about strategies. We've talked about systems. And we're moving to... Staff. All right. Let's Tell us about staff. staff. All right. So if you are looking to scale, you know, one of the most difficult things to do in any sort of a professional services business is to scale. Because they typically start with someone who has some subject matter expertise. And, um, you know, they get, they get a couple clients and then you get to a point where you're having some success. And the biggest limiting factor to growth is the fact that there's just one Meg and there are just 24 hours in a day. And, you know, even if you're going full tilt and burning the candle at both ends, you, you're only got 18. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's good that that is a finite situation. It's a finite situation. And so then how do you grow? So the challenge becomes okay, you could charge more. A lot of people go that route. They, they uh, shrink the client base or maintain the same client base and end up charging more. I think that you could reach a level potentially of burnout in, in you know, maximizing your load over a period of a number of years. I don't know. It depends on one's individual stamina. That's one route that people go. Sometimes people try to take on a partner and the partnership is much like partnering in a marriage. You know, it's very tricky. I've been partners with Corey Bray, who's my business partner for in business legal partnership for eight years. And we worked together. I was his coach. We worked together for two years prior to that. So we have a 10 year long relationship over the course of our three companies. And I say to my wife, my wife is like, you know, that's, that's your, your other spouse, you know, right, but. Right. Our relationship is truly wedded in that way. And I feel incredibly fortunate that we tick the boxes on trust and communication and ethics. And, you know, we are, we are not necessarily the same mind, but we know how to argue. Um, and it's, it's fantastic, right? I don't know that everybody gets that fortunate. I don't know that everybody gets to like road test a partnership with someone for a couple of years before actually becoming partners and then going through that sea of change. So that has, you know, a lot of peril associated with right. it as well. But if you're looking at the place of like, well, where can I add team to have impact? And maybe that team is delivery. Maybe that team is sales. Maybe that team is marketing, whatever it might be. And when I say staff, staff does not necessarily have to be uh, W-2 employees. Right. You know, we live in a day and age where there's a gig economy and Fiverr and Upwork and pick the others that are out there that I'm not mentioning all provide really great people. You do have to vet them, though, that can augment your service. Uh, in an ad hoc way that really scales for a coaching organization. But the most critical piece here is that you've got to be able to understand what I kind of call a competency model, which is what you're looking for. You'll see that the, you'll see that a lot of my theme here is just to the Einstein point of, you know, I don't know if it's 95 or 85%. He said, you know, if, if posed a problem, he'd spend 95% of his time uh, evaluating the problem and defining the problem in 5% solving for it, right? right? Well, it's the same thing here. This is what yeah, we're we talking about. We gotta get the clarity, yeah. Gotta get clarity. So I talk to folks all the time who are like, yes, I think I'm going to hire a marketing person. I go, great. What does that person have to, oh, they've gotta be able to do SEO. They've gotta be able to you know, do uh, pay-per-click. They gotta, okay, well, yeah, but what else is really critical for your company? And they're like, well, what do you mean? 
And I say, well, this is where we've got to figure out a competency model. And the competency model can be everything from industry understanding to the clarity around how they communicate to I, a high uh, part of my matrix in hiring people is figure it out factor because I am, I, it is tedious for me to explain things. <laughs> I like people who go try to figure it out. Maybe they fail. They flip it back to me. I go, oh, you were close. Do it a little bit more this way rather than I've got to spend an hour and a half with you going down while you take copious notes on everything. I, I, I just, I don't have the energy for things like that. Right. And so, you know that about yourself. So that's key. This is key. So I don't end up in these problems and I can actually interview and pose small projects before fully engaging with somebody that give me directional indication as to whether or not they can satisfy the competency matrix for working with me and my organization. If you understand these things about yourself, if you understand these things about your clients, and if you understand these things about your business, then you tee yourself up to not have fits and starts with the people who you bring on either as employees or as contractors to do work for you. And you can very clearly evaluate who these people are, which offers both of you a great chance for success. It's not a punitive thing. It's saying, hey, I don't want to bring in somebody who needs me talking to them six times a day because I'm not available. And you're going to be frustrated sitting here not knowing what to do and feeling like you're failing. And I'm feeling like you're doing nothing. And we both end up in this resentment and it goes nowhere. Like, why start with that? Let's start with clear understanding of where we're at, right? Beautiful example. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is the key here with staff is just whatever you're calling staff, you know, it's, it, it makes the S model work rather than, you know, resources. You don't want to have three S's and an R. God no. forbid. Heaven forbid. <laughs> we don't want to do, we certainly don't want to do a star strategies. To no, don't resources. want to do that. No, we oh, couldn't God. do that. No. <laughs> I love it. But um, yeah, so that's, that's the concept there. That's, that's how I see that in my mind. Excellent. And you know what? It could be, uh, getting a, a virtual assistant for five hours a oh. week out of the gate to begin. Oh, don't even say it could be. It should be. Let me tell you this. He's shooting on us, people. He's shooting on I... us right here. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> well, but, but it should be. me. But no, it's I, I have such passion around this one because I have had. I have had the gamut of experience in, in virtual assistants or executive assistants, however, whatever you'd like to call this. Over the course of my career, I've been fortunate enough to have executive assistants in my office. I've been fortunate enough to have virtual assistants. I, have, I don't even think of Rachel, who you've interacted with, as a virtual assistant, though I've only met her virtually, but we work like hand in glove. Right. There is the comp- Let me tell you how important the competency matrix is for that person. If you cannot clearly articulate, and I mean, don't sugarcoat it. If you want to have a strong virtual assistant relationship where that person is truly impactful in your business, don't pretend that you're a morning person if you're not. Don't pretend that you don't mind looking at spreadsheets. Like you have to lay it on them and let them know who you are. What I love about my relationship with Rachel, I don't very often get a chance to brag about her. I do internally, so I'm going to take this moment if you don't mind. She can read me better than I read myself. She gets ahead of me. She will go, looking at your calendar in the next three days, I see that you have limited time for this, which means you are not going to want these morning meetings that you've got scheduled internally. Shouldn't we move them? I'm like, oh my gosh, you're in my head. You're amazing. Clearing the way, but she can do that because I've afforded her a clear insight into who Hillman is, warts and all, right? And she has said, I can deal with that. 
There are other people who I'm sure would be like, no, I can't handle somebody who like after four o'clock gets really snippy because he's been up since five in the morning. Like, no, I can't do that. You know what I mean? Like just all of these things are really critical. And that self-awareness goes a long way to ensuring that you're surrounding yourself with people who thrive, enjoy their work and derive, uh, you know, some personal satisfaction and and personal performance impact as well. Love that. Thank you. And congratulations for finding Rachel. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not saying any last names, so none of you can go steal her. Yeah, yeah. I'm protecting her. She's my gold nugget. So um, we've talked strategies. We've talked systems. We've talked staff. And our last S is? Skills. Yeah. So skills, you know, this this sounds pretty... I, I think for coaches, this is probably less of a revelation but it might be for other folks uh, that I've worked with in the past. Because coaches, I think we are kind of inherently consistently curious, consistently seeking, consistently evolving, because that relationship with our client has such a level of intimacy that I think that we're always looking for ways in which we can create an impact. I don't know many coaches, at least not successful ones, who kind of are like dogmatic about the thing that they were doing in 1979, 1989, 1999, and doggone it, they're still doing it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, not really, you know, not really many people are doing it that way. So I won't spend a lot of time on this other than to say that what's critical is to identify our own gaps. And those gaps, when I say gap, it's in this sense, it's not necessarily a detrimental gap, meaning, gosh, I've got a huge void here. And it's hurting my business. Obviously, if those things exist, we should look into that. And sometimes those are things, you know, when, when we're dealing with coaches and people who like to interact with individuals, if the coaching is something that takes place in a, in a dialogue format, sometimes those folks don't love or derive energy from spending time in spreadsheets and doing projections. That could be damaging your business, right? That might be a skill set you want to develop. If you don't want to develop it, roll back up to staff and go find the person who will do it for you, right? And then go earn the money to be able to pay them. That's, that's an alternative, but understanding that is key. So the evaluation of your own skill set, one thing that I think is really important for coaches is a lot of coaching business can be gained through public speaking, whether that's having a podcast like yours, whether that's being out and you can, you can speak just about anywhere now from, yeah. you know, Zoom, right? Like, yeah, it's fantastic. I just had a meeting the other day in Massachusetts, but I was sitting right here in Texas. No, and huge impact, right? Yes. And that's And so I think that sometimes that's an opportunity, if we don't want to call it a challenge or a gap, it's an opportunity that could be explored for someone in in a coaching business. And, you know, each coach needs to kind of identify where that is. And I think coaches should have coaches too. I just think that there's something very, very important in that. (laughs) I would agree with you. And I don't know how many times I hear people shocked when I say, well, my coach and I, you have a coach? I'm like, yeah, I have a coach. I always have a coach. I always have. And they, they change for different types of things. Exactly. Right, right I have a fitness coach. I have a uh, executive coach that's kind of working with me on, on speaking and some things that I want to do like out in, out in, in public at, at a large scale. Uh, and I have a language coach right now. And the beauty of that is I get to be the coachee. So I get to understand there are things I'm taking from all of them. I'm like, gosh. You know, my coach over here does this thing really well. I need to pull that into my conversations with executives. I need to do some of this stuff. But yeah, I think it's very important and creates a creates a, a deeper level of humility around what it is that we do. So really just an analysis of, of our skill set and being able to understand where we've got opportunities for growth. And here's another thing. Sometimes we can end up just like in fitness with a muscle that's atrophied. I can't tell you how often I'm talking to somebody who's like, gosh, you know, 
I learned that a long time ago. I did this whole series on this about five years ago. I've just gotten away from it. And like, of course you have, because you haven't been applying it. And maybe you haven't needed to. But now here it is again. Let's grasp it. Let's bring it back into our practice so that we can deliver the biggest impact. So that's, that's all I'll say about that. But just really being able to evaluate that. And even last piece here is if you do have a team, ensuring that you're providing them the skills necessary for them to be successful is also critical. Sometimes, you know, it's like the plumber's sink is dripping at home, right? It's like, as coaches, we're out there, we're delivering, we're delivering, and our staff is like, what about me? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so ensuring that we're meeting that need as well, I think is really important. I love that. And just, you know, as a, as a final thing, if any of you are in the audience are credentialed coaches, you have continuing education that you have to do anyway. So do continuing education that fills those gaps for you, that challenges you to get out of your regular routine and stretch a little and, and provide different things for your clients. So skills is very much a part of staying a responsible, growing professional for your clients. So love that. So we Great. did strategies, we did systems, we did staff and skills. So good. What uh, what did we, if anything, did we leave on the table as we're wrapping up our time together today? I don't think so. I think that the biggest piece is it can sound a little overwhelming, right? And, and because it can sound overwhelming, sometimes what people do is they'll do this right now. They'll get off, they'll, they'll stop listening to the podcast, get off of the Peloton, whatever they're doing, wherever they're hearing this, right? And they'll do it. And then it will have been the thing that they did in the summer of 2022, right? <laughs> Can't do that. This needs to be something that is ongoing. So if you, you know, whatever you're using, if you've got a Google calendar, if you've got, you know, I was trying to make the joke. I can't remember what the doggone thing is called, but it used to look like a moleskin, a day timer. I don't care what you're using. <laughs> whatever your method is, make a date with yourself to spend 90 minutes now that you understand what these buckets are. And you'll probably think, huh, Hillman didn't mention this thing with respect to strategy, which is actually really critical for my business and my marketplace right now. or Gosh, you know, systems, this is not an August thing for me, but I think in January, I want to be able to do this kind of a thing with a system. I want to integrate with this and have people be able to go online and fill out a form. And I don't want to take calls to make uh, appointments anymore, whatever it might be. You can begin to start looking at your business in a way where this becomes at least like your little meeting with, if you want to call the, the, the four S's, like your little board of directors, your strategy person, you know, Sally strategy, Steven systems. I'm making this up as I go along. But you get my point, right? Some way this needs to be part of your business, not just something you do once. Love that. If people want to know more about you and what you do, what's the best way for them to connect with you? I'd say go to LinkedIn. I'm Hillman Sori on LinkedIn. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Um, it will I'm definitely be in the show notes. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to connect with folks. I do a lot of speaking. I publish a lot of things. I've written eight books. You know, there's... There are myriad ways to connect if you think there's some value there. And I'd love to hear from anybody. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed all that you had to share. And I know that you, you just have wheels turning now. There are wheels turning and people thinking, and that's what we want to have happen. Fantastic. Thanks for having me, Meg. It's been a blast. So I wonder which of those four elements resonates the most with you. Where does your business need the most attention? And what's your next steps based upon what you learned from Hillman? 
If you want to share that feedback with me, go to starcoachshow.com in the contact me section. Send me your thoughts about what you learned from our episode today. If you'd like to connect with Hillman and learn more about what he does, go to starcoachshow.com slash 302, starcoachshow.com slash 302. My conversation with Hillman continues in our membership community where we talk about what really motivates a prospect to become a client and how to handle your discovery sessions. Next week, I am so excited to welcome Ken Jenkins to the show. Ken is one of my favorite people. He's been doing emergency work for the airlines for years now and handling crisis communication dealing with families in the aftermath of horrific events in the airlines. And what we're going to talk about is the concept of communicating through crisis and how really what you bring forward in that space are your coaching skills. Definitely an episode worth tuning into, and I hope you come back next week to do exactly that. If you're enjoying the Star Coach Show, please tell a friend about it and rate and review wherever you listen so that more coaches can find our show. Until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.